Well, good morning again. Welcome Stonebridge on the line. Um, we're continuing our series called The Family, and I wanted to share why. So Pastor Warren Wearsby says this, The first institution God founded on earth was the home. As goes the home, so goes society and the nation. Family was God's number one priority. It's the first institution he created. But family is also the fabric of our whole society. Our whole society is determined by how family life is going. So it is really critical at any point in time to be addressing the family and seeing what God has to say about the family. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, but why right now? Can't we just get back to Romans? Well, we will. We're going to get back to Romans. We're going to do a deep dive into Romans 8. That's just going to be fantastic. And then we'll finish out to the end of Romans. But for many, COVID has put families in an intense microscope. Okay, many families, my own, right now, as we speak, are in this microscope where our marriages, our parenting, our family life is, is under intense heat and things are, are popping out, things that we don't like, that we're like, oh man, I didn't even know that was there. Things that are wrong, things that need fixing, things that need help. And it's because you're in, in closer proximity. And so we wanted to help you as you experience these things, as you these, some of these weaknesses are exposed, we want to help you with them. Also, I firmly believe that a lot of the chaos in our world, even the chaos we saw in our nation this week, is a result of a non-existent, weak, or at least Christless family life. I think there's a lot of families in our nation that are void of Christ. And because of that, we see some of the chaos that we're seeing right now. Our world is always teaching us subtly and, and sometimes not so subtly about family life. They're feeding us lies and half-truths about family life. However, God is not silent on family life. He has a beautiful design for families. We need to pull over, though, and listen to him and, and reroute our families or, or we're going to be pulled off this cultural cliff that, that's drifting further and further away from God's good, loving design for marriages and for families. That's why we're doing this series. Now today, I'm going to be talking about marriage, part two. Last week, Ryan Graydon talked about marriage and addressed the husbands. I... I'm going to be addressing the wives today. Now, I first just want to humbly point out the obvious. I am not a wife. I will never be a wife. Um, I've never desired to be a wife. Okay, it's just, it's not going to happen. So here I am addressing wives. You can imagine that I have a healthy amount of fear, actually unhealthy, if I'm honest, of, of fear and trembling in bringing this message to you today. So here's the plan in light of that. And, and we came up with this as elders. I'm going to teach you what God has, has to say about wives' roles in marriage. And I'm going to cling oh so tightly to scripture, as I always attempt to do. But I'm going to especially be clinging so close to Scripture so you can hear God's truth on being a wife, not Matt's. 
because I don't know what it means to be a wife. And then my wife at the end, God willing, if she's feeling up for it, is going to share briefly about what this looks like in everyday life as a wife. So husbands, I want you to repeat after me, even on your couch, wherever you're at, okay? I will not, I will not nudge my wife, nudge my wife during this message or pretend to be her personal Holy Spirit after this message. Here's my point, guys. Just be quiet today. Okay, but guys, don't tune out. Don't tune out. If you missed it last week or in case you forgot, your call is to lovingly lead. We see that in Colossians 3, 19. Read the next verse if you get bored. Go back and listen to Ryan's message. Your wife's role is difficult or easier to live out depending on how you do at your role of lovingly leading. No pressure. Single guys who desire to be married someday, who desire a wife, take notes. Look for this. Single gals desiring a husband, take notes. Strive for this. Singles not desiring marriage. There are many principles that will transfer to other relationships in your life in this. So don't just tune out for this whole series. So here's God's word to wives. And here's our main scripture, Colossians 3, 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, let me just stop and pause right here. I know that I just said a word that is a buzzword for some of you. And for some of you, it's more than just a buzzer, buzzword. It's a trigger word. For whatever circumstance, whatever's happened in your life that just triggers things that are terrible, the word is submit. Now, I just want to, to talk to you. If that's you, hang on, because this word is in the Bible. God has good, beautiful intentions for it. We're going to define very clearly what this means and does not mean. But please don't tune out or shut down. God wants to speak to you today. I'm convinced, I'm convinced of this, that if husbands lovingly led as Christ loves the church, that there is not a wife out there who would not desire to submit to his leadership. Convinced of that. So the first thing about Colossians 3.18, I want to say is this. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated that this is all that Paul says to wives in his letter to the Colossians. He's saying this is the crux of what you need to know, wives. Now, I want to read some, some other scriptures with you. And then I want to pull from those scriptures to, to come up with a definition. So here they are. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even if, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. 
Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I believe that the best interpreter of God's word is God's word. So I'm going to use these other scriptures to help us understand Colossians 3, 18. So let's go back to it. Colossians 3.18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Before he even gets to wife submission, and before we even get to that, we need to focus on the last part of this, as is fitting in the Lord. We need to camp on submission to the Lord. It all starts there. Submission is fitting in the Lord. It's, submission is not fitting naturally. Okay, it's sin that makes us want to just do things our own way and rebel. I'm in charge. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That is sin. That is selfish sin in us. Submission is not fitting naturally. Submission is also not fitting culturally. The world doesn't acknowledge God's loving authority. They say do whatever you want, whenever you want. But submission is fitting for us who follow Jesus. That is the nature of following Jesus. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. It presupposes that we're already submitting to the Lord. But then verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit. Christ is the leader of his church, his people, his followers. He is the head of the church. He is the savior of the church. He gave himself to save them from their sin. Christ is the savior of his church. In verse 24, it says, now as the church submits to Christ, God's people, the church, submit to Jesus' loving leadership. Following Jesus begins and ends with submission. I'm not my own leader anymore. Jesus is my leader now. Submission should increasingly become not a bad word to us as followers of Jesus, even though our culture says it is. Submitting to any person has to begin. It has to begin with submitting to God, whether it's submitting to an employer or to governing authorities or if it's submitting in a, a marriage relationship. If you struggle with submission of any kind, and wives, if you struggle with submitting, if you get to the end of this message, hear the definition, look at it scripturally, and still struggle with it, you should take a good hard look at how submission to God is going in your life. That's where it begins. That's where we are motivated and compelled. So back to Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to your husbands. 
Wife submission does not mean a few things. Okay, before we get to what it does mean, it does not mean becoming a doormat, yes woman. Okay, wives, this doesn't mean you don't have an opinion and it doesn't mean you be quiet about it. No, you share your opinion. You bring your opinion and your things to the table. You don't just say yes to everything, even if you don't want it, even if you don't prefer it. What do you do? No, that's, that is not what submission is. Wife submission does not mean becoming a doormat. Wife submission does not mean submitting to sinful commands. If your husband asks you to do something that is against what God says, you absolutely don't listen to that. And wives, if you are in an abusive relationship, get help. And men, if you're the abuser, God hates abuse. That is not his good design for relationships. That is not what it means for your wife to submit to you. Wife submission does not mean submit to f sinful commands. Wife submission does not mean that wives, you are less important. No, that is, that is just dead wrong. You are not less important. You are of equal importance. You have, are of the same value. You, your husband, every man, every woman, we are all made in the image of God. We bear the image of our creator. Also, wife submission does not mean that your role is less important. You are needed. What you bring to the table is vital and necessary for that relationship and for your family. Don't downplay your role. Here's what wife submission does mean. I'll give you the definition and then I'll show you in the scripture where we get it. Wife submission is supporting and respecting your husband's God-given leadership role in your home. Supporting and respecting your husband's God-given leadership role in your home. Now to give you a little context of what's happening when Paul wrote this, households at that time had husbands and wives in this relationship where the wives were called to obey their husbands. This was a patriarchal society. Husbands were ruling with an iron fist. Whatever I says goes. Paul's call, though, is not to obey. It's to submit. Submission was countercultural at this time. This is a call for wives to be helpers alongside their husband as he leads, not for the husband to be a heavy-handed rule ruler. Obey, no, instead a loving, sacrificial leadership. That's submission. It's countercultural today as well. We live in a society that, that says that wives and husbands' roles are the same. Okay, gender, whatever, doesn't matter. But God says it absolutely does. And there are beautiful roles that complement one another here. That he has designed that work best when lived out. It was difficult and it was countercultural for wives then when Paul wrote this. Now and until Christ returns because our sinful nature 
The sinful nature of wives tends toward tends towards falling into one of these two ditches, into the ditch of becoming a doormat, just going with whatever, or falling into the ditch of being power hungry and trying to grasp for the role that is not yours. And submission is neither one of those. It's difficult and countercultural for husbands then when Paul wrote this, now, today, and until Christ returns, because our sinful nature for husbands tends towards falling into this ditch of being a passive wimp that sits on the couch and does nothing to help your wife and serve your family, or on the other side, fall into the ditch of being an abusive tyrant. Neither of those is loving leadership. But just because it's difficult, because of our sin nature and our culture, doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. God's good, beautiful paths are usually difficult to follow, and they're not easily traveled, but they're 100% worth it. Let's look at this definition more closely with other scriptures. Wife submission, supporting and respecting your husband's God-given leadership role in your home. Supporting. What kind of support are we talking about here? Well, Genesis 2.18 helps us. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. A helper, a support means a helper. Or, or better put than helper, a vitally important partner. See, Husbands, her help is not just helpful, it is vital, it is essential, it is critical. It is of critical importance to the relationship and to your family. Support also means it's, it's complementary. Does it help her fit for him? That means just right for him. She brings gifts and abilities that, that you don't have, guys. Let me give you a bad example. A bad example would be Robin as Batman's support, okay? Robin is barely even Batman's support. If you've seen any of the movies or if you've seen any of the, 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 the comic books, see, Robin just shows up randomly, okay? Robin just kind of shows up and he'll help out a little bit, but he's a bad example because Batman doesn't need Robin's help. He often does it without Robin, but he's also a bad example because Batman can do everything that Robin can. He doesn't need him. He's not vitally important and he doesn't bring complimenting gifts and skill sets to the table. A good example, though, is Alfred partnered with Batman. Okay, Alfred is Batman's helper. He's vitally important. Um, it's a good example because Batman needs his gadgets and his weapons, okay? He needs his, his Batarang, okay? And he needs his, his Batmobile and his motorcycle thing and all of his gadgets because if you didn't know this, Batman's not a superhero. And I don't hold that against him. That's why I like him, okay? But he doesn't have superpowers. So he needs these gadgets and gizmos and technology to help him 
win the battle. So Alfred provides those things. He comes up with these things and tinkers with them. And then he's in, often in Batman's ear, almost always actually in the big fights, he's in his ear describing how these things work and walking him through it and helping him win by using this technology. He is vitally important and complimentary. Batman can't come up with all that stuff. He's bringing his gifts to the table, just as important. But yet, you never doubt who the leader is in that relationship. Ladies, while you're not the leader, you are called to bring your best to the table because your support is vital and complimentary as he leads. We absolutely need you to bring that to the table. Ed Bean, one of our elders, wisely pointed out this. Husbands, God is trying to speak to you through your wives. Usually trying to speak to you through your wives more than you know. Listen to her. Wives, God wants to speak through you to your husbands. So respectfully, yet boldly speak. Your voice is vital. Wife submission, back to our definition, it means supporting and respecting. Let's talk about respecting. We get this from Ephesians 5.33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives are commanded to respect because it doesn't come naturally to most wives. God knew this when he wrote this in here, that, that wives tend not to be as great at respecting and husbands tend not to be great at loving. That's why Ryan spent most of his time last week spelling out, men, here's what it looks like to love. Step up in love. It's not as natural to you. So step it up. And, and so God is saying this week, hey, wives, step it up in the area of respecting your husbands. It doesn't come as natural to you. I love this quote from Emerson Egrex in his book, uh, Love and Respect, which is a great marriage book. It says, unfortunately, a wife's usual approach is to complain and criticize in order to motivate her husband to become more loving. This usually proves about as successful as trying to sell brass knuckles to Mother Teresa. I read that to Josh and he's like, oh, I'm gonna find a picture of that for you. So he did. So here it is, Josh, just for you. And if you happen to be falling asleep at this point, hopefully this wakes you up. It's a funny quote and it's true. But I think, what I like about it is that we get a good definition of disrespect. It says, complain and criticize. Complain and criticize him. Wives, are you complaining and criticizing him behind his back with your friends? Wives, are you complaining and criticizing your husband to his face? Are you complaining and criticizing him to your kids? Are you complaining and criticizing him? Are you always looking for and pointing out his faults? That's disrespect. Respecting your husband, though, is the opposite of complaining and criticizing. It's affirming and complimenting him. Are you affirming and complimenting him behind his back with your friends? 
Are you affirming and complimenting him to his face? Are you affirming and complimenting him to your kids? Do you look for opportunities to point out his successes and his strengths? Or are you so focused on his weaknesses and his shortcomings that you can't see him? See, ladies, wives, God has hardwired your man to need, to crave respect. And the thing is, you have the keys, like no other person on this planet, you have the keys to your husband's tank that needs to be filled with respect. Are you filling it? 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. See, submission is a call to all wives, not just ones with godly husbands. It's an opportunity for, for you wives who have husbands who are not following the Lord or, or just disengaged in the relationship with God. You have an opportunity to win him over through your support and respect. I know that's easier said than done and that looks different in each situation. So like I said earlier, get some help to know what this should look like in your relationship. But th these are especially important. These verses right here in 1 Peter 3 are especially important for wives with unbelieving husbands. What a great opportunity to win him over with the thing that he craves most, whether he realizes it or not, respect. And even if, even if you don't win him over, you are doing this to honor God. First Peter 3 focuses on respect with actions, right? It says conduct. Affirming his leadership can and should be done with words, but affirming his leadership can and should be done without words, with actions as well. And Heather's going to talk a little bit about that soon. So just to recap everything we've said, everything we've seen in Scripture, submission begins and ends with submission to God. It has to start there. Secondly, submission means supporting his leadership, support. Supporting his leadership as a vitally important and complementary partner. And then third, submission is respecting his leadership by affirming and complimenting him with words and without words. Respect, support and respect. That's what it means for wives to submit. Now I'm going to hand this over to Heather and she's going to share with you what this looks like in everyday life as a wife. Well, hi, church family. Welcome to our living room. I would much rather be with you on Sunday morning, but alas, here we are. Um, submission. An intimidating topic. I am not going to lie. I really... I'm humbled to be sharing some of these thoughts with you because I have not perfected any of them, but they are definitely things that I value and that I am working towards. And 
that God has extended a lot of grace as well as Matt, my husband, has given me a lot of grace in these areas. Uh, now, I just want to say that submission is not a death sentence. It's actually the opposite. Um, God's word tells us that when we seek to obey him, there's life and blessing and joy and peace. And so I want to speak life and hope into this area. So I'm going to share a few of the things that I've tried to live out and have seen others model before me as well. And the first thing that I thought of was to have a heart of thankfulness towards your husband and not a heart of criticism. And I can think of this particular time when we lived in Minnesota and Joy was probably a toddler at the time. And my habit was to always be the one to unload the dishwasher because that was just one of the things that I did around the house. And Matt was trying to serve me and decided that he would unload the dishwasher instead of me. And while he was putting dishes away, he grabbed a Tupperware off of the, the top rack of the dishwasher and it spilled water everywhere. And I got mad about it. And I don't remember specifics, but later on I just remember feeling so convicted about that because here he was trying to do something kind towards me and I reacted harshly and criticized him instead of just acknowledging the fact that he was serving me because he loves me. And so um, I always think of that and just kind of cringe because um, I was being critical and having a critical spirit instead of thanking him for his attempts to serve me and love me. So that's a what not to do um, when it comes to having a thankful heart. Okay, another way that we can honor and support and respect our husbands is by not comparing them to somebody else. And I think we all can nod in agreement that there are so many temptations coming our way, whether it be social media or TV shows, movies, novels, any form of media really is an opportunity for us to, or I should say a temptation for us to have this sense of discontentment towards our husbands, thinking, why can't he be more like that? Or, well, my husband doesn't do that. And so then we, we start to even become disgusted with them when we love them and we aren't disgusted with them. But the things that we're taking in are affecting our affections toward our spouse. And that's not a good thing. So if we need to stop watching something or take a break from social media so that we're not comparing our husbands to somebody else's, then do that. Whatever it takes to preserve you honoring your husband is well worth, well worth it. Um, we we want to cheer our husbands on, not 
somebody else's or even a fictional character that doesn't exist. As women, we can fantasize and kind of become jealous or have wishful thinking. And so I wanna encourage you to, to stop doing that. Another thing that we can do to support our husbands is to give them space and permission even, not that they need our permission, but allow them time away to pursue a hobby or to do something that they enjoy that doesn't involve you or the kids. Matt likes to play tennis and he likes to watch football and I don't particularly enjoy either of those things. And so it's fun for him to be able to participate in those hobbies of his. And then he lets me get out of the house too. And it, it goes both ways where he allows me to go to women's retreats and be a part of women's Bible studies or to have a day out. Um, so that's a huge way that we can support the men in our lives is by cheering them on and letting them have hobbies. Another way to support your husband is to prioritize what's important to him. An example I have of this is just asking um, what's important to you. For me, I stay at home with the kids and I asked Matt, you know, when you get home from work, what's one thing that you would desire to see in our home? And he told me that the sink wouldn't be full of dishes. <laughs> and that doesn't happen every day necessarily. And he's given me a lot of grace in a season with little kids where it's just harder to sometimes maintain some of those things. But that's definitely something that's more on my radar because I asked him and because it's important to him. So I then try to try to do that. Another thing is to respect his need for intimacy, to not selfishly withhold yourself from your husband. And that's all I'm really gonna say on that right now. But you guys can talk about that. Talk about realistic expectations and honor one another and sacrifice for one another. Your marriage will be rewarded for sure. This might seem like a Sunday school answer or an obvious thing to say, but I think it needs to be said that your deepest heart hurts and cries and longings can only be met and fulfilled and comforted in Jesus. And I can speak to that on many different occasions, but um, three years ago, oh shoot, I can't even talk about this. When we had our miscarriage, um, that you for sure comforted me. But there were times where I was even kind of disappointed in the comfort that you couldn't provide because you're a human. <laughs> and how those were some of the closest times I've experienced with the Lord is because I was running to him and not to you. And so it was painful, but it was such a good reminder that um, Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. 
But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.